Festival Insider. Helping filmmakers traverse the scary world of film festivals. Hello, it's Spencer again. Did you think I'd deserted you? No. Unfortunately not. I'm here. Um, Natalie and I took uh, a nice period of time away and we went to Turin and Florence. And then we came back and after about two or three days of being here had food poisoning, which is always nice. Since then, of course, the Queen has died. And as a result, I found it quite difficult to kind of get people for interviewing. However, I did line up an interview with Hugo Santa Cruz, who last year made a film called My London Lullaby, which we showed at the Romford Film Festival this year. And I caught up with him as we talked about the festival run and how he is now and what he is working on. I should warn you in advance, there's a couple of little glitches in terms of the sound. Unfortunately, I think there was a, a bit of an error in terms of like the, the amount of people that were using data that day because it was the day after the Queen had died. Um, so the internet was quite slow in the area of London that we were both based in. But hopefully that won't ruin your enjoyment of this interview too much. Have a listen, he's got, got a lot of good things to say and there's literally three dropouts during the whole interview and it runs for about an hour. Anyway, enjoy. How have you been, sir? Very good. I've been busy. I've been uh, doing stuff. And that's good because we're going to ask you a little bit about that in a little while. But how long have you been making films and what was it that drew you to making film? So I've been making films since uh, late 2019, uh, but I had been writing screenplays since, uh, I don't know, when I sort of quit the music industry at about 2012. Okay. Um, so I had been writing and kind of honing my screenwriting skills, came to the point where I had some pretty decent uh, scripts and I realized that uh, nobody was going to make them. So I thought, well... You know, why give away my babies? So I decided to start making them myself. Cool. And uh, and how have you found the process? Exhilarating. Yeah? Yes. No, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I just completed shooting my second feature. <laughs> and uh, it, I, I just, I've loved it so much. It's been such a great learning experience. Uh, it's been fantastic. I, I am super happy. I, I guess you can tell by it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, do you, I always love that bit where That's you're something. when you're working towards making the film and everything seems so complex, and then when you get down on the set and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it always goes like this, but when you actually get sat down on the set and suddenly everything kind of comes together and you suddenly yeah. think to yourself, okay, ultimately I've made this. Well, I appreciate yeah. there's lots of people involved, but you are the one that found that team. Yeah, well, I, I I don't get to sit down because, you know, we shoot our films in a very, it's anti-kino style. Yep. So it's very punk rock. So uh, there's no sitting down in my set, you know. We're always uh, on the go. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, no, it's exhilarating, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a, a guy called Adam Girash, who uh, he wrote um, Il Terza Madre for Dario Argento. Nice. He said to me... Uh, 
I asked him just as I was about to start shooting my first film, I said to him, have you got any words of advice for me? He said, <laughs> get yourself a comfortable seat. Okay. That's that's the only thing that I learned from, from filmmaking. Get yourself a comfortable seat. But I think that is very much about how your budget governs you, isn't it? Well, you know, where the way we shot my London lullaby, it was a crew of three and it, it hasn't changed, you know. We, we shot this with myself, uh, Cecilia, my producer, the DOP, and Atom, who's a new addition to the band. Uh, he's the sound dude, and the rest are the actors. And, you know, we, we do it Fassbinder style. Everyone, everyone does a bit of extra work apart from what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So let's backtrack a little bit. Tell us mm. a little bit about My London Lullaby. Uh, what do you want to know uh, about what the process about uh, what the film is about? What, tell uh, us about tell us about the film because in case anyone who's listening is blissfully unaware of anything that you have done. Okay, yeah. Well, my London Lullaby was my first feature. We shot it uh, over during the pandemic in 2020 for about 13k. Uh, it tells a story of a German actress who finds herself outside of the system in a sort of dystopian post-Brexit Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with it, we went around the world uh, in festivals, uh, did rather well. And as of March of next year, you'll be able to actually finally see it uh, as per my word of my sales agent, who informs mm-hmm. me that it has been finally sold. Cool. Yes. And, and how does that feel to achieve a sale? Because, you know, so many people that we talk to, they don't get there and they just kind of settle for whatever happens to it. Does it give you any, um, give you a little bit of joy? You know what? Um, I, w- I, I said it to my producer and, <laughs> and I don't know, I, I didn't really feel anything. I was, just, I was just a bit depressed, really. It was before we shot this new feature. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whatever, man, let's just get on with it. You know, let's yeah. just make another film. So, no, I mean, it's, you know, I guess it'll be great when, when people actually start seeing it and they start getting reactions. But right now I'm a bit like, whatever. I just want to finish cutting what I just shot. Sometimes yeah. it's about the momentum, isn't it? You, you, you know, when your career doesn't take you quite where you want it to or what you've delivered hasn't quite taken you where you want it to go. It's like, actually, I need to just like get on and make the next thing yep. because yep. as you make, you progress. And I think the biggest victim of, of, of the biggest killer of directors is the fact that if they worry too much about the money and where the money's going through, the creative juices stop and it becomes about something very different. Absolutely. And you know what? I was just... Uh and accolades and all that crap it's just a distraction yeah you know this morning athanasio who had a short film at the rumford film festival the night we screened my london lullaby Mm -hmm. and uh, he screened his short film uh at at the biggest short film film festival in greece Mm -hmm. and i wrote to him congrats on the screening don't get to taken by the accolades though it's all about the work let's get that script and first feature going you know he's he's a bit stuck with a screenplay and i'm like going to help him because he he helps me with my grading yeah and uh he's going to shoot a feature and it's all about that man Absolutely. About the you doing stuff because you know yeah. at the end of the day you know yeah so you 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 finish a festival run, mm-hmm. and you know you have nothing you know yeah so you thought maybe you were gonna do contacts you know that may happen you know you thought maybe someone will come with a suitcase with a bunch of money and pay for your next feature 
that might happen, but you know, you make it happen. <laughs> so that's where we are. So um, we spoke about we spoke about where you've been. So what is it that you're working on right now? And um, we spoke a little bit about this before we started this actual interview. So explain, like you 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 told me about a very interesting practice as part of this. So if you explain your story and the practice of delivering your story. Yeah, uh, so I was utterly depressed about three months ago and I was like, hell, why don't I just make a, a short film? And I wrote this 15 page short film, 15 page script uh, about a group of uh, radicalized environmentalists. Mm -hmm. Well, the main part is so good. It's a shame we only get to do it once. So that sort of clicked to Eureka moment where I went like, hell, why don't we just shoot this five times? And then we have a feature. And then yet another Eureka moment happened when I went like, well, why don't we shoot it five times? And so each time uh, each actor is going to swap roles, there are five roles. And so each actor gets to play a new role every time. And then each of the five times he shot in a different way. So mm -hmm. the first, second one, we put an eight millimeter. The third one, we shoot in a theater. The fourth one, it's multilingual. And the fifth one is POV. And that's kind of what we did. We did that last weekend. Excellent. Uh, so, yeah. so you've done it all in a weekend? We did it in three very long days. Three very long days. Now, that's, that's and, and, and how long is long? Well, well um, I, 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 I'm the producer director first ad sort of uh runner so you know i, I get exhausted mm -hmm. so we start at nine yep and uh, we finish at 10 saturday we finished at 12 uh sunday we finished at 11 30 yeah cool so yeah and it allowed for you know well the thing is i know i know the shots i know what i want so you know yeah. we don't mess around with uh uh getting uh, coverage and whatnot yeah yeah we do it in a very fast binder way, which is like long shots. Everything is very prepared. So when everybody knows what they're doing, Bob's your uncle. Yep. Excellent. Yep. So, uh, and so the, what is the, now you've got this film shot. Yes. What's the next process. Well, I'm cutting it. I'm 10 minutes in. It's going to be another kind of short feature as in like an hour, 10, 12, 15. Uh, cutting it now. Hopefully we finish cutting by the end of the month. We're going to mix sound in five days, color in another five days, and hopefully make the deadline for South by Southwest mid-October. Yep. Excellent. That's really good. That's, that's yeah. a, that is the kind of spin you really need, that momentum to, you know, push on. And then what's next? Have you got a plan for next? Yeah, well, then I shot a uh, proof of concept uh, over the summer, and mm -hmm. I'm going to go to a couple of the festivals uh, with whom I made acquaintances with. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take that proof of concept and I'm going to say, hey, remember me? Mm -hmm. uh, can you give me money to shoot this, you know? And uh, with the proof of concept and a bit of a pitch, hopefully I can get a bit of money here, a bit of money there, yep. and make up uh, the 200K I need to shoot that film. So this one, this last one we shot for 10K. Wow. Yeah. And we have a famous actor. Oh, that's good. So go and tell us who you've got. Can you Lee, tell us? Lee Gill, he plays in Joker and Game of Thrones. Excellent. 
Yeah, he's an awesome actor and super rock and roll. And he just kind of jumped right in and he was like, what the hell are you guys doing? You don't even have a crew. And I was like, well, you know, get on with it. And uh, we had a laugh. It was super, super fun. And how, how, I mean, because a lot of people, they, they have this fear, don't they, of dealing with an actor that they think is, you know, probably um, a couple of notches up from them. Yes. in their career and I think there's always this fear of maybe bringing someone back down but I think a lot of people forget that they most likely started at that level didn't mm-hmm. they you know yeah. and it's just they're returning back to I mean I found that when I was making film when I was bringing people kind of back down to how should I put it my level yes um whatever my level is you know, I'm 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 dealing with people that had, you know, been in films that have been nominated for Oscars, etc. Yes. And then I'm bringing them onto a set that's got like six people. Yes. Um, but that's where they came from. Yeah. And and I think that's important that a filmmaker at any stent, at any point in that journey remembers that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, to be honest, uh after he does this, he's going to LA to. After he's done this, he's going to he's going to LA to shoot a Joker too. So you know, uh, it doesn't get as big as big as that. Uh, the truth is that Lee is a really rock and roll guy. I actually mm-hmm. met him backstage at a punk rock festival over the summer. Okay. And um, we sort of sort of kind of hit it off. And I, and then when I was thinking about who I should cast, it I, I you know I just thought. Why the hell don't I just hit this guy up? So I, I I emailed his agent and sent the script. He loved the script, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the rest is history. And that's the thing as well, isn't it? Because sometimes you just need to ask, don't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, there's all there was also like there was also a vibe, you know, mm. and a sort of energy. And I felt that he would be rock and roll enough to jump on board. In, in into what we that are, are sort of anti kino sort of vibe that we do yep. right you know so yeah it was it was perfect you know at the beginning he must have felt a bit like what the hell did I let myself into but uh, I assure you that by day two it was it was really working and he was coming up with brilliant ideas you yeah. know it was just a joy just to see him and it's, it's he's so iconic as well it's it's uh... and I'll tell you what. Um, when uh, we screened that um, My London Lullaby at Romford, just before uh, we screened, we had that short film with um, with an actor, famous actor from EastEnders. Oh, um, that was Old Windows with Larry Lamb. Yeah, correct. Yep. And I was like, you know, I that made me think we needed for the next thing I was to shoot. Made me think I needed to have someone famous, mm. you know, because I saw all the people there. I was like, everyone's here to see the guy, you know. Yep. You know, so that you know that was a big part of of me thinking I should just go the extra mile and get a famous person. But I just got super lucky with Lee. You know, yeah, super super lucky. I mean, at the end, end of the day, um, everyone gets a break in their career, and when I say a break, I don't mean a break as in you know getting the break that makes them successful. They get a break between their films, and you do find, don't you, that more more film more actors than not will work on other projects when they're not working on something that is essentially paying the bills. Yes. In that sense. Um, yes. As long as, as long as the material is good. Yeah. And also I have to say, Spence, that all the stuff that happened with my London lullaby has given me just a light little step, 
on a yeah. platform. I'm just, I'm not some idiot who's, who did a short film on a bus, you know, yeah. it's a feature. It, you know, it went on to uh, be official selection on the second biggest um, film festival in Germany, you know, one in, in a great festival in Palermo. We were with you guys there in Bromford, when in America with Arizona, you know, it, you know, I, I had some sort of something, you know? Yeah. So, you how know, many, you kind of need that. How many festivals did you submit the film to? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, I'm just not that sort of person. I, I, I run my brain as organized chaos. But well, I can say, I can to my world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that I spent upwards of 2,000 quid. Yeah. And I sent it to most of the big ones except for Bennett, Venice. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to a lot of the mid ones and pretty much none of the shitty ones. Yeah. I, I, when I made films, I submit, well, the prime example I will use for you is, so my first film, before I learned some of the art of submitting to film festivals, Mm -hmm. I spent two and a half thousand pounds on. Yeah. And my second film, I spent about £1,800 on. My first film was selected for three festivals. My second film was selected for zero. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and, yeah, uh, it, it's hard. It's, 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 hard <laughs> it's hard business. It's hard oh, business, yeah. especially when, you know, like my second film had a lot of, a lot of named actors in it. Yeah. And I thought maybe that would be enough i mean i guess the subject matter probably wasn't great yeah. but um but hey you know it's it's a dog eat dog world out there and yeah. you know 2000 pounds or upwards of 2000 pounds of submissions seems pretty accurate for most people that i'm talking to yeah in terms of what they're spending and did you factor that into um your budget from the offset or was that something that you no that, no that came later yeah um but uh it sort of worked because uh i, I was working you know I, I do freelance uh simultaneous interpreting yeah and i moved back to tenerife my my mom has an office there and i, I was able to stay there so i mm. wasn't paying rent in london which is a killer yeah so that's kind of how i pulled it off yeah. You know, whilst, uh, you know, I ask people to allow a bit of a deferred payment. And mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, by the time, yeah, six months after finishing shooting, I had paid everybody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of those uh, submissions went into the credit card, but then I kind of cleared them because I kept working simultaneous, yeah. uh, simultaneous interpreting them. Um, uh, how do you say it? Um, yeah, from, from the office there, you know, yeah. we, I, I could do it remotely. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so that's how that worked. So, uh, so you literally started your film fest. Your sorry, your film journey in a time of a pandemic. Yes. How did you find that whole process? It was weird. So I, uh, the first film festival I went to was in a small town in southern Spain. Mm-hmm. They called us and they said, you've won best cinematography. And I was like, well, I'll be right there. And um, we, everyone in the audience, we, we had to wear like a mask, even like going on stage to collect the award. Yep. And, and then we won the audience award, which was pretty. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, that was the first one. And uh, then after that, uh, we went to Germany 
and uh, you just you're just uh, the only thing they asked was to be to have the certificate of vaccination so you know they flew me over via switzerland and stuff so yeah all, all of the vaccine stuff mm. i needed to have but yeah aside from that I, the, you know the, the pandemic didn't really affect me it's not like i have a mate who's a dop and he was official selection at Cannes, mm -hmm. just the year that uh that uh they they had that sort of follow year Mm. and mate i was so gutted for him because it's like mm. you know you get official selection and you know this shit happens it's like yeah you know, once in a lifetime sort of thing yeah but yeah anyway. absolutely yeah yeah couldn't yeah couldn't have couldn't have happened at a worse time I know. Um, so let's focus now on the film festival side mm -hmm. a little bit more how important do you think film festivals are in a filmmaker's journey uh for the well i i would say for the kind of films that i want to make uh, it's sort of like the only way of of getting your voice heard mm. you know you know i did i didn't go to film school so i don't have the contacts you know usually if you go to film school you know you you make contacts and you know if you're good enough they might give you opportunities depending on what film school you go to but uh, if you're just someone who absolutely loves movies and wants to make movies, then you know there wouldn't just there wouldn't if there weren't film festivals, there wouldn't be a way of of getting your film seen. Mm. You know, because you go to festivals and then if you if your film does well, then with that you can go to sales agents and distributors and go like, hey, look, you know, we got this official selections or we want this or that. Mm. So yeah, that's 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 the importance of them. Okay, so I mean. Other than getting your film screened, and the other obvious thing is that if your film is nominated for an award and potentially that it wins, mm -hmm. can you talk about any other positive experiences that have occurred as a result of attending a film festival? Well, obviously, the obvious one is the human connections, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, when you go to a film festival, it's, it's such an emotionally heightened time in your life <clears throat> you know I'll, I'll never forget the feeling i had when when we won in palermo that was one of the greatest nights of my life because mm -hmm. it was yeah. the, the culmination of a very arduous year and a half mm -hmm. you know and then you know in germany i made lots of friends in spain with you guys in rumford you mm -hmm. know it's about going there you know because the, the ones we couldn't attend you know i would have loved to have gone to colombia we we were nominated we were, um, official selection there uh, uh, for one of the biggest festivals in, in Bogota in Colombia, mm -hmm. and sadly we couldn't we couldn't go because they couldn't afford it, and it was the same with Arizona. So you know if you can't go to a film festival, it's a bit like whatever you know you can still use it, but it's not the same. It's about it's about the connections that you make and and that you know that human experience. Yeah, I remember um, we had a chat. <laughs> probably about eight months ago now. And I seem to I remember, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I think you said that you were always surprised when your film was accepted to a UK film festival because of kind of like the whole Brexit thing. Yeah. Um, did you get any more acceptances within the UK or? No. Uh... But to be honest, after you guys, I sort of sort of shelved the whole thing, and I was like, okay, time to move on. You know, okay. let the we have enough of this uh, selections to for the sales agent to do their job. Let's move on to the next one because 
you know, it's great to receive awards and accolades, but, you know, you can do that for two, three years. And then what, after three years, what have you got? You know, yeah. people clapping at you, whatever, you know, <laughs> get some films going. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so in your fairly, you know, because I mean, and, and I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but you've got had quite a limited time in the industry mm-hmm. in the sense of as a filmmaker. Yes. Um, what, tell us about some good and bad practice. You don't need to name the festivals, mm-hmm. but can you give us some examples of like good and bad practices that you've experienced as on your film festival journey? Well, I don't have bad experiences because uh, I, I may be new to yep. the film industry, but you know, I spent 20 years in the music industry. Yep. And you know that that Hunter Thompson uh, quote about the music industry, if, if not look it up. Uh, and uh, I was married to a fashion designer who worked for Celine in the fashion industry. Yep. You know, so I have quite an experience in the creative industries, you know? Yep. And I gather that the film industry cannot be too dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm, I'm very wary. Uh, okay. So w- when it came to sending the film out to festivals, I uh, made sure uh, I did a bit of research and made sure I was, I wasn't sending it to some fool who wanted to make a buck, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of it. But I, I have heard of horror stories, you know, and I'm sure you have a, a few. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I literally had a chat about um, uh, we uh, one of my previous interviewees brought up the Oaxaca Film Festival. Oaxaca. Yeah, okay. and um, I had a horrendous experience with the Oaxaca Film Festival in that after submitting my film to the festival, they literally were trying to extort the best part of a thousand pounds out of me before even telling me if my film had been ex- accepted. So- How is that even possible? Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you submit your film, then you had to go through accreditation. Once yeah. you've been through accreditation, you needed to prove that you could attend the festival. And the only way that you could prove that you would attend the festival is to pay for your accommodation. Wow. Which was £599. Wow. And then you'd need to provide flight information. And all of this before they'd even told you if your film was going to be accepted or not. Oh, so that, that was a fairly scary experience. But I gather that they were having a blip period uh, yeah. between 2016 and 2020. And I'm yeah. told that they have recovered. So, yes, there are some, some pretty hairy stories out there. And luckily enough, by the sounds of it, you have so far dodged that bullet. Do you think when you look at films on, when you submitted uh, My London Lullaby to film festivals, did you know of all of the festivals or did you, was there, I'm I'm not saying hit and hope so much, but did you kind of explore Film Freeway a little tiny bit and see if there was anything that looked like it might be a good fit? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I did my research. Uh, but then, you know, funny things happened. You know, for instance, the mosque. Um, 
film supporting human rights and all of that, you know, tremendous history going back 60 plus years. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, they had a little stop. So, you know, they, they started again in like the late seventies. So those guys, they accepted my movie and I was like over the moon. This is like, this is like the biggest film festival yet. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that they got rid of all Putin and got rid of and his minions got rid of all the board of the festival. Mm -hmm. And you know, festival. And I was like, wait a second. So I did a bit of research, even behind the scenes, and found out what bullshit was happening. Mm -hmm. And so, and I pulled out and I declined the invitation, which was completely heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So even even with the with the legit ones, there's politics behind them. I mean, obviously the shit that's going on with Russia. Obviously, yeah. it's it's no joke. But even the the yeah, even the the big ones, they you know you have to watch it still, you know, because a bad move can ruin your career. We we uh, were recently invited to attend a festival, and then we were asked. Um, uh one of the questions that we were told that we may have to answer is how we felt about the russian liberation of the ukraine is that how this how they're how they're wording it up and and that was it was at that exact point that we decided yeah okay we're going to withdraw our party yeah. um our delegation unfortunately um, it's worth it it's worth it it's sad that uh one company one country can have that much um power over another yeah that they feel that they need to kind of like sell their self to be protected yeah but fuck um, it you know you know it is you know it'll it'll come back you know things you know if not then you know <laughs> then so be it but things will change you know? but it's good to it's good to make a stand you know you have to these days you know you you can't remain neutral exactly exactly um so when you were looking around at festivals that you weren't so sure of, did you see any red flags that you think um, a yes. listening might think to themselves? OK, yeah. that's the sort of thing I need to look out for. Can I, shall I say it? What, yeah. my, what the biggest red flag? Shit, yep. shit, shit design. Yes. <laughs> shit design. Yeah. Shit graphic design, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's there's some horrors out there, aren't there? I know. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, if you have a sensibility for art, you know, and you should, if you're a film director, yep. you know, you should spot that by a mile, you know. Yep. Anything else? Well, the websites. Yep. Um, the the wording on the writing on the websites. Uh, just a quick Google search. I mean, I don't know. What, do, uh, do not people do this do people not do this I, I you know i don't know it baffles me like if you make a movie you there's a certain level of iq you know what i mean yeah. you know why why would you submit to like every single shitty festival you know just like <laughs> you know yeah 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 no no i mean there is that i just uh, yeah i think when you're coming out for you know coming out of the uh the gates for the first time there's a lot of festivals out there and it's difficult i think it's a business you know it's a business yeah it's, yeah, uh, and it's awful. It's awful. I have I, I heard a horror story. My friend is a documentarian, and he he got an official selection for a festival in New York. Mm -hmm. He's from the Canary Islands, and the government there is really cool. As in, like they they pay artists to travel because you know obviously the insularity and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they they flew him to New York for this festival. Mm -hmm. And when he got there, it was just some random place. Like there was nobody from the organization. 
and yep. it was just like it was a cinema where they were like just showing them mm. and it was it's just and like he he my mate was like super um excited and when he got there and he spotted it, he was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah but you know, you know there, there were some you know he didn't have to pay for his uh, his travel over there but there was some he was telling me that there was this like older geezer from brazil who had made it there you know but in, in his, but his own pocket mm. and and you know he you know it, it was pretty depressing you know so I I, so, yeah. I heard from a filmmaker the other day that went to a film festival that was supposed to start at lunchtime mm-hmm. and um, they turned up at lunchtime and they were told that the, the festival organiser hadn't been seen at all that day. They finally showed up at 6.30 that night yeah. where they showed three films that the film festival organiser was in. Wow. And that was it. That was the close of the first day. And the second day was basically an exact repeat of the first day. Wow. So all the people that submitted their films, none of them actually got their film shown. But the organisers' films were shown at the end of each day and repeated over two days. That's amazing. What a piss take. Wow. Absolutely. It's horrendous. But there you go. These festivals do you know. But mind you, you know, my, my mate, the documentarian, you know, he he wrote to uh, not Film Freeway, the the other one. Uh, well, one of the box. I don't know, one of the platforms. He yeah. wrote to them like saying, you know, well, you know, the, this festival did this. Da, da, da. And, and they, you know, those platforms, they they're wary of that and they, they do uh, act upon, you know. So my mate, you know, he even kind of wrote to them and was like, what, you know, I'm not too sure about this other festival. Is this legit? You know. Yeah. So I guess if in doubt, you can always write to Film Freeway or whatnot, and they probably have some sort of record of uh, what's happening with what festival. Film Freeway, we've discovered, um, removed 198 film festivals from their directory last year. Good. Uh, poor practice. Good. And without a box, actually shuttered. Um, their whole business because they were discovering that there was a lot of people that were kind of rogue trading as festivals. Listen, it's it's a huge a business, you know. Like you know, when I was submitted to festivals, I was like, hell, I should just start a film festival, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's mad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what you know is that there's that there's that saying, isn't there? Um, those who can't teach. And hmm. I wonder if, if perhaps, you know, those that can't really make a decent film, i.e. myself, they make a film festival <laughs> instead. Um, so, um, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of that to it. Um, so before I wind this up, I'm going to ask you uh, a question. And so for a... For someone who is listening who has never made a film before, do you have three pieces of useful guidance that you can give them? Yes. Go uh, on. I, uh, so I was always a huge film fan, um, but uh, I, I was first a musician for like a long, long time. So I developed a sort of a sense of uh, vision, you know, aesthetics, style, whatnot, uh, and sort of a sense of knowing what works. And I think uh, only age gives you that, 
you know, and yeah. I don't want to sound ageist here, but I, I am a huge fan of like young filmmakers who 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 kill it from the word go, like Paul Thomas Anderson and yep. you know, to some extent Tarantino, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, but I you know, I think like 40 is a good age to get into filmmaking because you have enough life experience and you have you know you have gathered enough excitement and heartbreak and uh, you have developed that sense Mm. and then obviously you have to know what the hell you're doing you know uh, technically or technical wise but Mm -hmm. I, i would say so it's that you know have it experience know what you're doing and that's easier said than done you know as in you know learn the the techniques of of, of the, learn the craft and mm-hmm. then third uh screenwrite yep. you know because it's all about the script yeah if you have a shitty script you're gonna have a shitty movie yeah you know so if you spend you know five years writing scripts when you when it comes to it you're gonna be on top of it yeah you know and you're gonna you know you're gonna have a great movie if you have a shitty script forget about it yeah so, you yeah. said right at the start of the interview you didn't go to film school no what did you do to learn the art of directing? Um, so I was in bands for since I was like seven, 16, 17 until mm-hmm. mid thirties. Yep. And music is very similar, like to, to you know, music is very similar to film. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because I was playing guitar, I was writing lyrics, I was singing. Then I became a producer of, of mu- music producer, which is ridiculously similar to film editing Mm -hmm. you know all of that really helped and then you know with the band we were always shooting videos I was always like looking and you know I've been a huge film fan forever you know so I was always going to the movies and I was always like watching you know weird obscure films Uh, so you know from that a few uh, film um, video shoots and stuff I, I, I learned when it came to it I shot a short film on top of a bus and uh, I was like yep I can do this and so it was like shooting that short film and then shooting a feature. Yeah. But yeah, and that is in the 40 years, you know. I yeah. Mean, if you can do that at 22, hey, you know, yeah. I, I, I envy you, you know. And I, you know, I, I wish I could have done it, but, I, you know, it just wasn't my case. Can you think of any films that um, you think would be good for a filmmaker to watch that would teach them about filmmaking in terms of the art of film from the direction the cinematography and the story yeah if you're going to start you have to start small and i think you know um funnily enough having shot uh, on film one one of this uh, segments for this last feature made me realize how, in, how how the art of shooting on film there was an aspect of that art that is lost with digital and that is like the 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 concise staging and blocking mm-hmm. and the rehearsing you know mm-hmm. all of that is lost you know with digital you just press play and it's like okay oh it didn't work oh another take but with film you really really have to know exactly what you're doing yep. you know and for that i would think that you know you should look at films By Fassbinder. I mean, he's he's someone that I look up to. You know, there are you know, and you know, whoever is starting up that that wants to sort of have a career, don't look at what Scorsese or uh, uh, David. um, What's this one? The guy from Fight Club. Uh, You know, all of all of this big. Yeah, 
all of these big directors, forget about those guys, yeah. you know, just look yeah. at what people were doing early in the 70s or 80s, you know, yeah. you know, drink from that. Don't drink from like the latest crap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and think, think of how small those films are. Try and make a small film like that, yeah. you know? And I think, uh, I think that should do it. So a film by Fassbinder, uh, okay. Fear Eats the Soul or uh, in its defect, um, Fox and His Friends. Okay, yep, yep. And uh, finally, but kind of still linked to the same question. Um, so a filmmaker that has made their first film, they've completed it, they're about to submit to film festivals. Any tips? Um other than research don't 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 despair don't despair i uh when i sent mine it took two months until we got the our first official selections you know uh it's gonna you know a cycle the the cycle is about a year a year and a half you know so it's bound to happen you know one festival will fall in love with your film you know yeah they will it's you know it's a numbers game so you know, do your research, don't, don't throw your money away and be realistic, you know, depending on your budget, you, you're generally going to be punching upwards. And that's a good thing, you know, because if you get selected, you know, in, in, by a festival where you're competing with like a million and a half um, euro movie, you know, then you're doing it right. You know, that's what happened to me in, in Italy. Yeah, we, we were competing against a film that had been uh, an official selection at Cannes in 2021 that cost uh, upwards of a million euros excellent and bait as well you know uh, mark jenkins yes yeah absolutely mm. very good advice there sir well yeah. hugo thank you very much for sparing the time thank to you have it's a, a pleasure chat with me today it's been really useful and i'm sure anyone listening is gonna go ah oh, yeah that's it i'm gonna go out there and do something now yeah do it it's about the work man just you know just just do it <laughs> well thank you very much super thank you Spence Cheers. that's all folks see you on the next episode of the Film Festival Insider